Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. It is November, believe it or not. It is November. Starting to get out those uh, full decorations, if you haven't already, perhaps uh, putting away some of those decorations for the trick-or-treaters and now uh, bringing out those fall decorations. And and I remember as a kid, one of my uh, most... I guess fondest memories of of fall and Thanksgiving was, you know, when when mom or grandma would put out uh, decorations for that. And one of those those chief pieces of the decoration for especially for Thanksgiving was the cornucopia, just uh, full of uh, well that bountiful harvest, reminding us of all those good gifts of God uh, that He provides for us. How does He provide those? By what means does He provide those good gifts? Well, today we're going to talk about and talk to uh, one of those very means. That, that by which God provides that that bountiful harvest for us today, farmer. What is the vocation of farmer, and, and how does God use that farmer? How does the farmer serve his neighbor? How do we pray for that farmer? Uh, we're going to talk about that today here on Faith and Family. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. You can find out more about them in our sponsor section, kfuo.org. You'll find the CUW logo there in the sponsor section. Joining us by phone this morning, Jeff Wheeler, the owner and uh, farmer at Bountiful Blessings Farm in Hinkley, Illinois. Welcome back to Faith and Family, Jeff. Good morning, Andy. It's a pleasure to be here once again. Glad to Thank have you. you with us this morning. I know it's been a busy season for you, pumpkin season winding down and uh, getting ready for all the fall activities there at Bountiful Blessings and uh, and getting ready for, uh, I'm sure, Christmas trees coming in soon, greenery coming in soon. So it's a busy time for you, I bet. That is correct. We are Finishing up with pumpkins, in fact, we um, sent a lot to the mulch factory yesterday, which uh, is not always fun, but we know they're getting used by the animals that eat them, so that's fine. And we've got our first load of Christmas tree brush coming in Friday, so from one season to the next. <laughs> well, very good. Also joining us by phone this morning, the Reverend Jeff Schonbacher, Emanuel Lutheran Church in Jefferson City, Missouri. Pastor Schonbacher, welcome to Faith and Family. Good morning to you and blessings to you, both you, Andy, as well as Jeff on the other end of the line. Well, thanks so much for being our guest. And you have a, a, a unique history as well, Pastor Schonbacher. Tell us a little bit about uh, your service at Emanuel Lutheran Church. We'll talk about your, your history prior to Emanuel Lutheran Church and how God has used you to serve in a variety of ways. Tell us a little bit about uh, the, the congregation there, Emanuel, in Honey Creek, isn't it? That's correct. We're quite proud of our heritage that this is Honey Creek. We are the rural congregation right outside of Jefferson City, just come down Highway 54 and weave a couple miles down a road called Honey Creek Road, and you're right at our, our doorstep. And it's a rural rural congregation, uh, at least with its roots there, but plenty of commuters that commute into Jefferson City. Well, Pastor Schumbacher, share with us a little bit about uh, what you were doing prior to uh, your preparation and serving as a pastor. Okay, well, um, prior to being a, a pastor, I was, uh, well, let's just say to the other Jeff, uh, you may be Farmer Jeff, I'm Recovering Farmer Jeff. <laughs> uh, I... Um, I came from uh, Darien Crop Farm in Iowa. In fact, I'm a second career pastor, and uh, and I left uh, the dairy farm um, when the crops to go into the pastoral ministry, and have been in the pastoral ministry about ten years. And so, what uh, 
what uh, type of farming did you do? What was it that, that drew you to farming? Why did you end up, uh, or why did you? Why were you serving in 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 that area? Well, I um, I want to say that it was a calling, but big part of that calling was that I had a father, a grandfather, a great grandfather that were all um, farmers. So I was in a legacy of farmers. Have uh, plenty of my own um, uncles and cousins that are still actively farming in the. The Eastern Iowa area around Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and um, and so from from young on, I was exposed to that and was was really felt that that's where God wanted me to be for the rest of my life. So you grew up around uh, around farms, and uh, you were you know, this was a, a family tradition, really, for you. Oh, certainly, yeah. It was one of those where um, the. You know, tradition was that, uh, you know, the grandfather would, or the father would pass down the farm to, to his, uh, to his children, uh, to especially to his sons. In our case, there was, my dad was one of, uh, three boys and each of them, um, moved on to, uh, their each to their own farm and, um, and then from, from that I was, uh, I was blessed, uh, to, be able to be on a adjacent farm to our our family farm about two miles and actually farm um, especially the crops with my own father when was it that uh, you started considering going to seminary in preparation to become a pastor um, I would say that process uh, looking back that process began in began in nineteen ninety three and um and I was ordained in 2005. So it was a process of the Lord preparing my heart to move into a different calling in life. There were, I'm, I'm sure, some, some differences going from one vocation to another. Perhaps there were some similarities as well, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, Jeff, up at Bountiful Blessings in uh, Hinkley, Illinois. Now, Jeff, this is a second career for you as well, right? Well, it's probably more like a third or fourth, <laughs> but um, in comparison to Pastor Jeff, I went from being a director of Christian education um, to becoming a farmer. So my vocation has changed just the opposite. In fact, sometimes I wonder uh, when I'm here at the farm why um, God took me from professional ministry to ministry here at the farm. And I say ministry here at the farm because I'm still able to do ministry as a farmer. There are, uh, there are ways you can uh, serve your neighbor there at the farm. And we'll dig into that here in a little bit, too. Now, you said third or fourth career. I forgot that uh, you had worked in a couple of other fields as well prior to becoming a DCE. That is correct. I was... Um, involved in horticulture back in the 70s. Uh, my parents owned a garden center and nursery, and then um, I went into auto parts because I had gotten hurt on um, lifting some stuff and had to go to something that was a little bit less uh, strenuous physically. And uh, so I was in the auto parts um, business with um, being a counterman and then a part owner of a store. And then... Um, 
through circumstances, God laid on my heart to go into youth ministry. And so in 96, I went back to school to Concordia River Forest um, and went through the DCE program there. As you know, um, we both, that's where we connected together and uh, became friends uh, at Concordia. And then uh, from there, uh, went on to about, I guess, 12 years of being in active ministry. And then um, because of financial issues uh, within the church at that time, uh, was brought back here to Illinois to be a farmer. And so uh, both have experience serving in the parish, both have experience serving in the field uh, from from crops to Christians, uh, both have experience in, in both areas and, and how we serve our neighbor. Uh, it, it's interesting, I'm sure, in com- perhaps comparing both lifestyles and both, uh, both ways of living and those you serve. In, in both vocations, uh, you're, you're serving your neighbor just in different ways. Pastor, what uh, what was most challenging for you as a farmer and that, that life as a farmer? I didn't realize it at the time because it was a it becomes <laughs> a way of way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but but looking looking back at it, there's the um, that that caretaker that responsibility uh, level of of caring for and um, with the with the dairy cows as well as the crops, there was a there was a sense of of duty that that came um, with that with that calling that that basically you don't leave until the job's done and um, you don't just check out and I guess and that's somewhat the similarities of the of a being in a position of ministry is you never is you never check out from that vocation. Um, it's just a part of of who you are, and um, and you you come to to see that as a, a blessing as well as as a challenge of of thinking about your life in terms of well, can I serve in this way in the in the church and especially as a dairy farmer and. Um, the time church was held was always a big issue for us as dairy farmers, and because there was certain things we just we couldn't be at a certain time at at our own parish um, to um, to to worship, and so we were always the lobbyists that went for later church times, you know, in the morning. Um, so um, that's that being aside. There, there's a spark, part of that responsibility that you truly understand, and I truly came to understand that just in terms of as God was calling me to leave um, the the vocation of being a farmer and to move into uh, this training for the calling of, of being a church worker, that um, it's not something you can just put in your two-week notice and say, uh, I'll see you later because God's calling me to this new vocation. It's just not that simple because of the responsibility that is placed on you. So there's there's a lot of responsibility pay, placed on uh, the one who's caring for the land, who's caring for the crops, the animals, uh, the for this this farmer that it, it bears a lot of responsibility. 
and in a sense, the, there's this this natural clock to it too. You can't just say, "Oh, I can't do this at that time because I've I, I want to go." You know, I, I can't drop my responsibilities at the farm because I want to uh, go here. I want to take vacation, or I've got a sick day. Uh, Jeff, uh, farmer Jeff, do you find that was that a, a challenging transition to to go to life on the farm and the the uh, the day to day the daily responsibilities that you have there? You know, it's not really all that much different. Um, I can remember uh, in youth ministry. Um, my wife and I always had Friday night set aside as date night, and many times there would be youth activities that would pop up, especially, especially district-wide activities that would pop up on Friday night where I would have to um, put my vocation as a husband aside and, and sometimes even as a father aside to do my vocation as a youth uh, director, as a director of Christian education, to do that, and, and it, I'm finding the same thing in farming. Um, I know from being in horticulture and being in nursery, the nursery business years ago, that you cannot put things off. For example, today we're picking tomatoes, and it's the first of or second of November, and we're just we cannot believe that we're still picking tomatoes in northern <laughs> Illinois. But we have to pick them. If we don't pick them, they go to waste. So sometimes. Um, juggling the, uh, uh, like um, Pastor Jeff had said, about being having to be on the farm and not being able to take a vacation or not being able to go somewhere, this happens all the time. And I struggle with that, especially now being a grandfather. Um, my, my grandchildren have events that they would like us to come to. Um, my son's a pastor over in uh, Crown Point, Indiana, a chaplain with Wittenberg, um, homes over there, and they have a lot of activities that involve the whole family, and we'd like to go to them, but um, we don't have cows, but the vegetables call us, and we have to be here to water, to pick, to uh, prepare them. Otherwise, you know, it, it, it's all of our work is in vain. And so, yes, it's, it's um, sometimes a juggling act, and I don't see a whole lot of difference between ministry and uh, farming as far as uh, um, a vocation, because they both, they both pull us in different directions. Yet, um, you, uh, uh, quoting uh, Pastor uh, Jeff, you never really punch out. You're always on the clock, it's, and, and, and that's, that's tough sometimes. What about, uh, as, as Pastor mentioned, you know, times of, of worship, the worship services, do you ever find that uh, to be challenging? I, I'm sure certainly in uh, dairy farming, because the cows know when they need to be fed, the cows know when they uh, well, when it's time to be milked. But You're, you're absolutely right, Andy. Um, our pastor, uh, Pastor Chris Naverskis here at Emmanuel and Hinckley, and I have this conversation all the time, and there have been times when they've polled the congregation to find out when would be the best time to have worship, and I always say Monday night, because uh, Monday night is, is usually slow for us. However, Sunday morning um, is very difficult. Almost all of our farmers markets are on the weekend, so we're picking uh, for four to six hours to prepare for a farmers market that would happen, say, at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on Sunday. Um, we just have no time to make it to worship. Um, we try to get there as often as possible. In fact, I cannot wait for the day when the frost comes. I hate to say that, 
that I can go on Sunday morning and actually uh, participate in worship. That's one of the drawbacks to this business, is just being unable to attend worship. I wish there was a night service. I could probably drive 30 miles to a night service, but that's sometimes difficult as well. Because you're falling asleep by then. <laughs> right. We've already well, Jeff, in a Jeff, you can drive over day. here. We have Thursday night worship. <laughs> Thursday, How far well, are you away from Hinkley? <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little bit of a drive <laughs> from Hinkley to Honey Creek. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's very disappointing, though. Um, I would say that worship is one of my favorite parts of my Christian walk, and being not able to worship, not able to commune as often as I would like to, is really uh, frustrating. So it forces me um, to be in God's Word, to be in communication with other Christians, to um, really focus on my call as a farmer and, and, and digging into why has God placed me here. And and it, it really is, I found a better avenue for me to present the gospel to people even more than being in the church, because we're in con- constant contact with our customers, our neighbor of the community, um, that we can share um, Christ with them. You bring up a good point. You both have brought up a good point in terms of, you know, just for the, the farmer to uh, to be able to participate in receiving the good gifts of God in corporate worship, you know, to, to gather together to receive uh, God's Word, the Lord's Supper, can sometimes be challenging because Sunday morning is a, is a difficult time, is a busy time for farmers. And so trying to find another time. Well, when when there aren't a lot of farmers in your community, uh, then there there isn't this this great need among others for for worship at a different time. So sometimes it is hard to find a worship service that that can accommodate that schedule. When your when your congregation is in a predominantly farming community, uh, perhaps there's there's more of an understanding for that need for uh, worship to accommodate a, a farmer schedule. What is uh, well, so how do you do holidays then, uh, Jeff, uh, up at uh, Bountiful Blessings? How do you do holidays and, and vacation and things like that? Or do you ever get a sick day? <laughs> well, um, it becomes a it com- becomes a point of contention within the family. However, most of my family understands that this is how we make our, our living. And so most understand. However, sometimes um, I have a wife that wants to see her grandchildren. And so when it's a holiday and everyone's getting together for the holiday, um, especially Easter is difficult for us because we're, we're not only getting the fields prepared for, for growing, we're also in the greenhouse, and the greenhouses have to be watched, I mean, basically 24-7. You have to be um, uh, able to uh, control the heat and uh, the climate of the greenhouse. It's very difficult even um, on holidays. However, uh, at Christmas time, it winds down. At Thanksgiving time, it winds down. Um, we're able to break away for those for those days. Um, and of course, uh, Wednesday evening, uh, we have church service for our Thanksgiving Eve service. So I am able to attend worship on, on Wednesday Eve before Thanksgiving. So you, you do have some time as the seasons start to to wind down. What are you growing? What are you growing in the uh, in the greenhouse? 
Well, right now, um, we still have tomatoes in our high tunnels, which are non-heated greenhouses. Um, early in the season, uh, we have um, our seedling house, which everything we do is heated with wood. So we constantly have to be monitoring the wood stove and making sure there's heat in there. But we have like a, a small greenhouse that we, we start all of our seedlings in for our 27 acres of ground. Everything is started in the one greenhouse. So that's from asparagus, well, asparagus we don't start in there, but basically from uh, A to Z in vegetables, we, we start in the greenhouse. Pastor Jeff, uh, how has it uh, been a transition for you going from the the farm to uh, life as a parish pastor? Do you see similarities between uh, your life as a farmer and your life as a parish pastor? Oh, you couldn't see my big smile through the phone <laughs> as we were talking, as Jeff was talking. Um, uh, that's one thing that if you want to talk about a, a transition, um, the Uh, what Jeff has just been talking about. It becomes so much a part of you when it comes down to even to uh, celebrating holidays. Uh, It's so much a part of your calling um, that as I transitioned into the the pastoral office, um, I I had a hard time thinking about taking a day off um, because even as a pastor is 24-7, um, you know, seven days a week kind of a of a vocation. Um, there is that um, day off that the, the pastor has. And it was kind of the standard joke of um, showing up showing up to the office on my day on my day off and and they they said, uh, what are you doing here? And I says, Well can't you tell it's my day off? I'm in street clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, but but then you know celebrating the the holidays as as the vocation of in the pastoral office is is worship on those on those holy celebrations that we have, um, but but then also finding that time, um, and I'm part of the grand grandfather club too, um, and and so having that time with your with your family um, is can be can be a challenge and so in many ways i identified um very much with that same vocation of pastor and of and of farmer um it's just at the end of the day i go home a different way of exhausted than (laughs) i did when i was on the farm but uh you get to see things Sometimes you get to see things as you get to see growth. Sometimes you get to see uh, the the fruits of your labor. Sometimes you don't. That's true. Uh, that's that's very true. And that that's where you um, you know I go back to St. Paul's words where where he talks about in the in farming terms. And so that just really rings right in my ears of talking about someone plants, but it is up to the Lord for the harvest and to go at the end of the day and and just like a farmer and saying i can do all of these things of the ground preparation and the planting and and uh and trying to take care of the weeds that grow up well there's many similarities there too um but but all of those things then that you kind of go but i'm not in control of the weather on the farm um and as far as the spiritual growth i kind of can easily identify with paul's words when when he when he talks about 
um, you know, leaving that then in the Lord's hands. And one veteran uh, pastor before I was even went into the ministry basically told me, just make sure that you find a good hobby so you can see that you physically accomplish something during the day. <laughs> what, uh, you know, going from that, from, from life uh, on the farm as a farmer to a parish pastor, do you look at that vocation of farmer differently now, pastor? I, well, as they say, you can take the boy off the farm, but not the <laughs> farm out of the boy. Um, I still consider myself to be a farmer um, in many ways. I just think that I'm, I, I my vocation is planting a different seed uh, right now. Although, um, as my as my own father, when I was going into the to the ministry, told me, he says, "Are you telling me that you can't share the gospel just as much um, on the farm as you can being a pastor?" And and those words still ring in my ears, um, in in saying it's not about one being more um, apt in that in that area. It's about where God has called you to be. We need to take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we'll continue our conversations with Pastor Jeff and Farmer Jeff about this vocation of farmer. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Those who follow country music know of Randy Travis, but many don't realize he had a massive stroke that nearly took his life. Doctors were telling Randy's wife, Mary, there was no hope and she should pull the plug. While things looked so grim, Mary implored her husband to fight harder. When Randy responded by squeezing Mary's hand and she saw a tear fall from his eye, she knew there was still hope. Recently, Randy Travis was present as he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. He even sang a verse of Amazing Grace. A few years ago, Randy headlined a fundraising concert for the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. What goes around comes around, and in this case, it was goodwill. Please pray for Randy's continued recovery. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org. And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Is society the product of man's activity, or is man the product of society's? And how have the ideas of Karl Marx influenced sociology? Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll continue our series, Classroom Apologetics, talking with Dr. Al Schmidt about Sociology 101. 
Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Worldwide KFUO, your most trusted radio station for Christian talk and sacred music. Listen on the air, online, and on demand 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Listen anywhere you are with your Wi-Fi radios, smartphones, computers, and even on your smart TVs. KFUO embracing today's technologies to bring the good news message of Christ to the world. Listener-supported worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. You can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. And it's even more critical when it comes to the history of God's redeeming grace in Christ. That's the conviction of Concordia Historical Institute, the Department of Archives and History of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For almost 90 years, we've been dedicated to collecting, cataloging, and showcasing the historical touchstones of Christ's grace and mercy in the life of the Lutheran Church. Help us in the fight against historical amnesia by becoming a member of CHI today. Benefits of CHI membership include our quarterly journal, newsletter, and discounts when you use CHI's research and reference services. You also receive the joy of knowing you're doing your part in preserving and proclaiming Lutheran history for generations to come. Moving Lutheran history forward together. Check us out at ConcordiaHistoricalInstitute.org. ConcordiaHistoricalInstitute.org. How do those who've been blessed behave? This week on the Lutheran Hour, Pastor Gregory Seltz tells how God works to bless others through us. A Vietnam veteran recounts a harrowing wartime experience, and a listener wants to know if God's grace makes our obedience unnecessary. That's all this week on the Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 12.30 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. It is November. We are giving thanks to God for all he provides for us. Specifically today, we're talking about that vocation of farmer. We're talking with farmer Jeff Wheeler to have Bountiful Blessings Farm Produce in Hinckley, Illinois, and the Reverend Jeff Schonbacher, Emanuel Lutheran Church in Honey Creek, Missouri. Uh, we were talking about the some of the, the challenges, the uniqueness of this vocation before we went to break. Pastor, before uh, we were talking about your experience going from uh, life as a farmer to a parish pastor, still holding on to those ties as a farmer, what do you uh, what do you see in the scriptures? What have you learned from the scriptures regarding this vocation of farmer? What does God's word teach us about this vocation? Well, I see from uh, from the very beginning, it's it's connected to what um, what the vocation of farmer is, and I mean, in fact, wasn't that what God Himself was was doing. I think about as a as a farmer and uh, and Jeff there in Illinois. I'm sure you can identify with this. Just that grabbing of the dirt and picking up picking up the dirt and and feeling um, is it ready and and thinking about God took dirt and and He formed uh, a human being. I mean, it's right there from the beginning. And one of the first you know, one of the commissions that he gave to, to Adam was to, you know, to first give him those uh, seed-bearing, um, uh, you know, plants and then the trees and, and taking care of the, I mean, we haven't necessarily got into the, to the care of uh, the marine world, um, 
but uh, taking care of the fish, the fish and the birds of the of the heavens and and all of those things that we would uh, associate with agronomy um, in uh, you know in our current world and how that that responsibility way back there was placed uh, upon um, Adam and then God gave him as the helpmate Eve uh, that they were together uh, in this family relationship uh, to take care of God's creation. And it starts right there with that, um, with that, and then, oh, oh boy, all of a sudden, we've got, after the fall, we've got the seed that's being talked about in um, the first promise in the Bible, the seed that um, is going to be the one that is going to be the Savior and, and crush the, the evil of Satan, and we know to be our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jeff, what have you learned about your vocation as farmer as you uh, as you study God's Word and, and now serving as a farmer for a while? What have you learned about this vocation from God's Word? Well, I, I keep being drawn to Matthew uh, chapter 22, where the um, Pharisee, the expert in the law, asked Jesus, what are the greatest commandments in the law? And Jesus, of course, replies with, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And, the, and, and, and that's the first and greatest commandment. And then he goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. And so as I consider my vocation as a farmer, I try to put in perspective, how do I love God and how do I serve my neighbor and love him as myself? And so just like uh, Pastor Jeff said, this is somewhat of a responsibility that God has given to man to take care of the earth and to take care of the earth um, and um, as a good steward, but yet as a vocation as a farmer that puts us even in more of a position to do so. Yet as we do so, we want to be able to serve that neighbor. And I, I think about that all the time. How can I serve my neighbor better in this vocation of farmer? And I guess just through honesty, through fairness, through um, providing uh, them with a an edible crop that um, is good not only for them to eat and and grow and be healthy, but also to uh, take care of those that are less fortunate that um, may not be able to put uh, food on their table. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And God provides that for us, not because I, he provides that for me, he provides it for other families, not because I deserve it. How is the farmer uh, uh, part of the means by which he provides that daily bread? Is, is the farmer uh, part of the means by which God provides that daily bread, Pastor? Why? Oh, most, oh, most certainly. Um, we see that God uses um, so many... Um, you know, we have from the farmer to all the people that are in that chain of bringing it, actually, you know, the old saying goes, well, to the young child, well, where does milk from come from? And they say from the grocery store. Um, not understanding that whole chain of all those vocations that are linked together, those those means through which God provides that that daily bread to um, to his people. And, um, you know, we, we understand that in a, more in the biblical standpoint, it was a lot of times more of a 
a hand to mouth um, that that we kind of as as farmers kind of understand, um, but give us this day our daily bread to uh, to many people um, is is understanding the that God uses. Um, and it ties in quite well to uh, the way we believe, is that God uses means by which we get these blessings. Uh, Jeff, what, how does it make you feel when you think about the fact that when, when others are praying the Lord's Prayer, we're praying for you as the farmer? Well, that's, that's awesome, and that, it, just, it, it um, almost brings tears to my uh, eyes, and uh, it really wrenches my heart that um, we're being prayed for. And I, I look at this quote that I found about that Luther said that how God provides for for us with daily bread. It's actually God Himself through us that's milking the cow, that's <laughs> planting the crop, that's harvesting the crop, and so God working through us um, to bring glory to His name, not to us as a farmer, of course, but to bring glory to His name by providing that daily bread each and every day to those that um, require it. Does it feel like a godly vocation when you're spreading that fertilizer? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> yes, it does, um, because, you know, it it all comes together to uh, put that, that uh, food on the table. Sometimes the job is a little stinky, <laughs> but... Um, when you see the benefits, it uh, it all pays off. How does uh, Jeff? How does the uh, the farmer pray? I mean, your your work is subject to uh, so many different conditions of the in, the the environment, uh, nature itself. You know, weather and uh, changing temperatures, uh, just all these in, environmental factors that are. That, that come into that and whether or not you get a good crop, whether or not you're going to be able to provide for your family and, uh, you know, by, by being able to have a good crop that you can sell all those things. How does, uh, how does the farmer pray? Well, Andy, um, that's, that's a question that is very tough to answer because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're told to not worry. Philippians chapter four, uh, tells us not to worry, but instead pray. And so as we pray, and we're, to also, we're also told to pray continually, um, it's difficult to know what to pray for. So we look at Romans where it talks about, I do not know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So working with that, um, I pray that I have the strength, again, which Christ gives me that strength, to do the things that I have as a, to do as a farmer. My dad always asked me, aren't you worried about the weather? Um, I'm worried it's going to rain tonight. I'm worried it's going to snow tomorrow. I'm worried it's going to, well, those are things that I can't control. If I worry about anything, I worry about what I do. And when I start to worry, I remind myself that God tells us not to worry. So when I pray, I pray that God will give me the strength to do the things that I have to do as a farmer in my vocation to love my neighbor as myself in order to bring glory to God, who's called me into this vocation um, and provided me with the skills needed to do what I do. And so uh, are you praying that even when you're up at 2 in the morning, stoking the fire to keep that uh, greenhouse warm? 
I'm praying. I'm praying at that time that the batteries in my flashlight don't burn. Out. <laughs> but no, you're right, Andy. It's 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 a struggle every day. Um, during the summertime, we're up at oh quarter to four in the morning, usually, and out in the barn at four thirty. And there's days that we don't get back in the house till seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. And so it's long, drooling days and seven days a week for basically um, about 120 days out of the year. It's tough. But God does give us that strength, um, and we keep going on. And I find it not a whole lot different, as we talked about earlier, than the professional ministry, other than maybe the avenue or the means in which... God provides opportunities for us to share the gospel with those that we come in contact with. Pastor, how do, uh, how do you and your congregation pray for the farmers? Well, um, especially, um, you know, we, we pray in times of harvest, in times of planting, um, in times of those um, times of drought, or on the other hand, the times of uh, overabundance of of that rain. Um, you know, all of those things we know uh, affects our um, our farming community. And as I said earlier, um, in the area that I am out in the in the country here, there's a lot more uh, cattle farms and pastures and and things like that. But we do have those uh, those members of the congregation that do have the greenhouses and the and the crops and so there's so many uh so many different things when we think about what we can pray pray for the farmer and uh as uh farmer Jeff was talking there I was thinking about my own experience on the farm and how easy it is um to be in that continual prayer of of asking for the rain you know for the rain to come when you plant the seeds but then you're also praying, but Lord, don't let it pray too, rain too much. And then you, um, well, I've cut down hay that I need to make, Lord, keep it from raining. We, um, we many times, if we're not careful, can, can, can turn God into, a, uh, I've used it before, the term, uh, a divine vending machine. Um, when instead, I, I like Jeff, Farmer Jeff's comment, when we know, when we can understand, and maybe that's the prayer that we, we need to pray more often for the farmer, is that he can leave it in, in the Lord's hands and just to, uh, to rest in the comfort that God does provide all that we need to support this body and life, um, that we can, we can go forward and, you know, and be content. And, and sometimes when we get in those situations where, um, you know, where the weather maybe doesn't look nice, if you want to call it that, um, that, that as, uh, instead of becoming depressed and all of that, that we can, that we can pray that the farmer finds peace and can rest in those, in those words that St. Paul tells to us, that the Spirit of God cries out, Abba, Father. Are there... Pastor, do you think there are misconceptions the rest of us might have about uh, the farmer way of life, things that we might not understand? You know, I'm thinking about, uh, for example, not that there are a whole lot of people that have a nine-to-five job anymore. Certainly jobs have changed, but for that, that person that that uh, 
you know, has has a, a job, a work that a, a, that's so vastly different from uh, farm life. Do you think we have misconceptions about life on the farm and the work of the farmer? I, you know, I I haven't served in a, <laughs> you know in a suburban or urban congregation. I've been blessed to be in in smaller um, rural type areas throughout my my ministry. And I can truly see that they they understand that that connection of what a farmer goes through, and maybe not personally, but and I think we we can understand this throughout most of our church body. There is a strong connection to to the earth, to the to the farmer, and maybe not them themselves, but they can talk about. It. I remember those times when I went out to Grandpa's farm, and that being such a joy for them. And maybe the misconception that they might have is that, you know, the going out to grandpa's farm was just the fun of, of playing in the hayloft or, or was petting the animals or, or was um, thinking about farmer Jeff. Uh, they get to go out and they maybe pick uh, tomatoes for a couple hours, uh, but they don't understand that this is something that you're going to be doing 12, 14, 16 hours out of the day um, that they that they can understand the part that says this is more than a nine to five job, and yet this is what God has called them to be, and that them finding contentment in their vocation um, is a blessed thing. Just like whether you have a, a twenty hour a week job and you wish you had a 40-hour-a-week job. Um, but how do we find contentment, you know, whether in, as we say, in a marriage vow, in prosperity or in adversity? And I think that's probably one of the, maybe the bigger misconceptions that I that people might might deal with is that farming is just this fun place and this happy place to, um, you know, just to get away from the world. And yet the world still creeps into the farm um, in many ways. Hmm. How so? I would say we're not without the influences of, of the society that, that we have. Our children um, will end up going to, um, to schools where they're exposed to um, many different things of the world. And, um, and one blessed thing I think of with the, with a farmer in many ways is that we can be in the world, but not of the world, but the world does keep creeping in through the outside influences. We work with, um, with different suppliers and I, and I think of some of the different, um, uh, people that, that you have exposure to in this chain of the means by which other people get this blessing of, of, of food. Um, and, and as you deal with them, the, you see that the world's influence can have a very strong um, hold on them as they come, maybe come to interact with you and um, kind of making just that thought of when Jeff said, you know, the just loving your neighbor as yourself, that going and how do you witness to them and you see that there is a, a stark contrast like any Christian um, between um, those that need to hear the gospel, whether you're standing on the farm 
or whether you're sitting in a in a cubicle in an office. Jeff, were there things in uh, when you made that transition from DCE to uh, to farmer that? Were there things that uh, were surprising to you about this vocation of farmer or maybe misconceptions you had before about uh, life, uh, the life of a farmer that, that, that have surprised you since uh, you've taken on this new vocation? Well, when I first got back to the farm, it was in April of 2011, and I got out of my van, and the first thing I did was I was out in the field. I, wasn't, I didn't even have time to... Um, eat lunch or anything. My dad had me out in the field, so it was it was you know right away. But when I think about it, um, the you know over the the years that I was um, uh, serving in the ministry, I served mostly in um, um, suburbs of of large cities. So I was exposed to city life, which I had never really um, experienced before. Um, other than making the trip into Chicago uh, to the university, I was always raised in a rural area, so it was it was different for me in that respect. But I even myself came uh, to the the understanding that well, farmers do their work, and then in the winter time they go to Florida or they take the winter off or whatever. Um, since I've been back on the farm, I've realized that's not true. Um, my neighbor across the way over here um, is a grain farmer. He does does not have any animals. But he works a six to seven day a week job during the season, and then in the winter time he spends most of his time repairing equipment and preparing for the following season. It, it never seems to end. So the nine to five compared to nine to five uh, kind of a thing, um, you know, in the winter time it does die down. But I really didn't have any um, major. Um, thoughts about it being different than what what it actually is i had a taste of it already so you had you had experienced it earlier in life uh, you had all, been familiar with the the farming community and, and and certainly connected to it before correct i just had forgotten about a, a lot of it um as far as you know the, the long days um i remember the long days but i kind of had forgot about the experience of the long days <laughs> What uh, what do you have lined up? You've we've just we've got just a couple of minutes left. What have you? You said you're still picking tomatoes uh, with this unseasonably warm weather. Uh, what does the 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 next uh, season hold for you? Well, like I said, right now we are picking, uh, still picking vegetables. We picked lettuce today, snap peas, uh, green beans, uh, tomatoes, uh, radishes, cabbage, c- kale cauliflower, broccoli, all those things are are still going on. Um, We will move into making Christmas wreaths and roping uh, within the next uh, week, um, probably starting Friday, and then um, that'll run till about the 15th of December. We'll have a little bit of a break between the 15th and the first of the year. Once the first of the year hits, I'll be preparing and plotting uh, grounds for next year, making the plans ordering seed, and by the 20th or so of February, our greenhouses will be back open again, and I'll be back uh, growing plants, getting ready for the new season. So you'll still be busy even when uh, when there aren't many things growing. You'll still be busy throughout the winter. Not, a, not really a slow season for you, is there? Right, and I have <laughs> three or four tractors that have to be worked on this winter. Uh, 
I have to get everything lined up. You know, all the maintenance work has to be done. We're working on, um, we're, we're doing um, cornmeal this year, which is something we've never done before, but we're using our Indian corn, our ornamental corn, dent corn to uh, grind flour. So that's something we're working on now, harvesting popcorn. Um, so there's there's still quite a bit going on, Andy. Harvesting popcorn. That sounds yeah. like fun. Ah. Going out and picking the ears, and then we shell it and package it. Uh, it has to be dried and and cleaned, and uh-huh. there's a lot to it. Yeah, <laughs> quite a bit of work. Now, uh, a pastor, uh, how are the farmers doing in your community? I would say that a majority of our our farmers are um, getting ready to slow down. There's a couple of the farmers in the area that just told me on Sunday that they're down into they call it they're down into the short rows, meaning <laughs> that they were into those areas that that just uh, we're going to take a little bit longer but didn't have a lot of acres. So I think we're, uh, we're making pretty good progress on, on the harvesting um, in this area. And then they will be doing, as, as Jeff said, preparing for uh, next spring already. They will be doing um, those kind of things. And, uh, and the you know, cattle farmers, that's a, that's a constant uh, a vocation of, of working with those animals, uh, day in and day out and um and i just had uh, just a, a comment i just had to laugh with uh with jeff talking about you know having that having that slow season and somebody said well that when you go into the ministry a pastor's job is you preach on sunday and, and then you get to take the rest of the time off that's right you know <laughs> well we're as pastors we're getting prepared and geared up to come into that uh, Jeff would say tomato picking time. I call it the haymaking time um, <laughs> mm-hmm. of Thanksgiving and Advent and and Christmas. And so, in many ways, there is so many uh, identifying factors between the vocations. And I think everyone out there could take that into their own life and see that we're all called to to a vocation that has those those times of uh, of, of extra times going to need to be spent. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a husband, a father. Um, whatever that might be, and and to uh, just place that in the Lord's hands and know that um, doing doing that work and not looking around you, but doing what God has designed for you um, is is what we're called to do. Indeed, we are all out of time. Jeff Wheeler at Bountiful Blessings in Hinkley, Illinois. Jeff, what's the the website? Best way to find about uh, find out more about? Um, just just Google us, uh, Bountiful Blessings, Hinkley, Illinois. And you'll find us. Very good. And the Reverend Jeff Schonbacher, Emanuel Lutheran Church, Honey Creek, Missouri. Pastor Schonbacher, thanks for being our guest as well. Oh, blessings to you, Andy, and blessings to you, Jeff. Thanks. God's blessings to both of you. It's been a pleasure. On the air, online, and on demand.